Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Uh, into words, what that meant to Nottingham Forest, maybe what to do with there, what it means personally to everyone who's watching, listening to this now. It was mental agony, it was total joy. The long and short of it is Nottingham Forest banished the memories of 2003, 2008, 2010, 2011 by beating Sheffield United on penalties. We're going to Wembley play Huddersfield and hopefully hopefully beat them and to discuss the whole beautiful but sometimes agonising night. I'm joined first of all by Forza Garibaldi's Greg Mitchell. Hello, Greg. How are you? Cloud nine. <laughs> and our second is Forest fan Mikey Clark. Morning, Mikey. How are you doing? Morning, Matt. Yeah, I'm good. I'm really tired, but uh, it was worth it. Definitely. Yes, first question. Uh, well, I got to sleep at like half one, I think, in the end, maybe two o'clock. What, what about you, Greg? You, you were probably up to sleep. Have you slept at all, actually? <laughs> I woke up in my shorts and forest shirt on the sofa about half five. <laughs> 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 I tried to watch the full game again and it just didn't work. So <laughs> The full game, good effort. I watched the highlights yeah. when I got in. Well, I watched the Sky Sports football <clears throat> yeah, tweets they put out with the best bits, but... Yeah, I need to watch the whole game again. I need to watch that shootout again. Mikey, you were up at six or something mad, weren't you? I was, yeah. Um, I'm sure I slept. I can't remember, probably. <laughs> um, I didn't. I, I certainly uh, slept in my bed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, it just an incredible night. I, I did manage to watch a little bit this morning in between some some work meetings. And, uh, you know, you watch it with a, with a clear head now. At the time, I was a wreck. I'll be honest with you, I was an absolute wreck. Um, so it'd be interesting to discuss and see what, what you guys thought. But um, I, I completely lost it in that extra time. Yeah. I was a mess. Yeah. I mean, I was in the press box and there's an unspoken rule, or maybe it's a spoken rule, that you don't celebrate goals, you don't get into the game. So the first goal, when Brennan scored, I let out a kind of a silent scream, if that's a thing, where like the noise didn't come out of my mouth, but I celebrate the goal. It was weird. And then... The, the Sheffield goals go in, and I'm no emotion. That's fine, but the penalties I couldn't keep it together. It was like 20 years of emotion just built up. It was, you know, I'd be something wrong with me if I didn't celebrate those goals. So the celebrations, the the saves, and the Steve Cook's penalty, and we'll come on to that. I love that. Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't contain myself. Greg, I think you're the biggest Forest fan I know. No offense, Mikey. What was it like for you? That first, sorry, that first goal celebration the best experience I've ever had at the City Ground. That was just carnage, the emotion and the relief, thinking we were a little bit more than halfway there then, how wrong we were. But just looking up at the ground after, and it was just incredible, like etched in my mind forever now. Um, just beautiful. And even when backs against the wall, not playing very well, I think it was like late, early 70th minute or 60-odd minutes, and the whole ground, the whole ground just on the feet, just trying to get them. Oh, it's just emotional, wasn't it? Because I just, there was a point in the game where I just thought, this club is cursed. We're just never, ever going to get it. And uh, I genuinely thought, like, that's it. It's, it's over. And, God, the way the crowd got behind him and just just beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Obviously, you try not to think about Bramall Lane and you try not to... I mean, journalists love, love a narrative. I know I do. But when it's 3-1, you get back, pegged back to 3 all that mirror image of 2003, and it goes for extra time and it goes to penalties. You just fear the worst. I mean, I know Fodringham has this good penalty record and he's saved from Brennan at Bramall Lane. So, I mean, 
be honest, Greg, did you think they were going to win that shootout? I was, and this is honest, this is pure honesty, I was so relieved it got to penalties. And suddenly I'd become a little bit more calm. Like I had the people next to me, I'd not stopped moving the whole game, just constantly like on edge. And the penalties were a relief because it looked like, I mean, Samba's saved towards the end of extra time, just ridiculous. And I thought, we're there now. We've, we've somehow managed to get to this. And I, I was, there was just like this calmness over me. And I thought they were going to miss the first three. I thought it just bang, bang, like best goalkeeping performance I've ever seen. It's not even a question now. And no, the, it was such a weird experience, that penalty bit, especially when we won. I think I just stood there, <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? Your friends are texting a WhatsApp group worrying, saying you were ultra-confident going into the game. I don't know if that's over the pudding or not, but did you think they were going to win that shootout? No, I was ultra-confident. I'll be honest with you. I said to my mates in the pub, don't worry about it. We're the better team. We're better all over the pitch. We've got a one-goal head start. We're at home in front of 30,000 fans. These, this team is not um, scarred by previous failure at this level. We'll be fine. And then when we went one mil up, I was dead relaxed. I don't know what happened in the second half. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I'm with Greg. Somehow we got... I thought we were kind of the better team in extra time. But obviously they had a ridiculous chance near the end, about five minutes to go, that Samba somehow saved. And I was relieved it got to penalties, if I'm honest. And I, I had an inkling that Samba was going to come up big because he just made a huge save. He made a couple of great saves during during the 120 minutes. And you know when it's just somebody's night and you just have a feeling that he's he's up for this. This this is you know Samba thrives on pressure like this. So I was confident going into the shootout. Not so confident in the second half or extra time. I'll be honest with you. But when he got to penalties. I thought we'd win. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I, th- I think I'm a bit like Greg. I was surprised when they scored their third, to be honest with you. I thought he'd save it. Um, but no, just a, just a wonderful night. And uh, I'm still on a high, if I'm if I'm being honest. I just need to calm down a little bit. My nerves are still, still right up there. But no, it was, it, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, we must talk about Samba in a bit more depth. I mean, he's etched his name into Forest history, hasn't he? That It's not just the penalties. It's easy to forget that save. 12 minutes in from, I think it was under NDI, if I'm saying that right. Uh, sometimes it's just written, written in the stars. I don't actually like that phrase. But sometimes maybe it is meant to be. And he does love the line, like I think Cooper said afterwards. If you need a man for that occasion, Greg, I mean, it's brief Samba, isn't it? His arms, like his arms of steel, they were just solid, weren't they? And there was one point, I can't remember, some point in the second half where their players were clearly trying to wind him up and he'd got the ball in his hands and, oh God, flashbacks to when he got sent off here and he controlled it straight away. Didn't even bother like entertaining him and I thought, that's it. That's like our keeper. And then just save after save. I mean, one of the um, highlight shows last night just put a reel up of all his saves, the three penalty saves and three absolute worldies. And he more than kept us in that game. He won us that game. And even when you watch some of his saves back now, the nerves come back because you think, oh, no, they're going to score. <laughs> it was just the best goalkeeping performance I've ever seen. Like It genuinely was. And he deserves it. Yeah, that save after, looking back tonight, the time becomes a blur, but I think it was 115 minutes. Yeah, That was like Schmeichel-esque, Mikey, wasn't it? Like just, You've just got to make yourself big and you do need a bit of luck, but he certainly earned it, didn't he? 
yeah, he came and closed the gap really quickly. I watched it again this morning. Um, I think it's a flick on, and I think it's in die gets ju- just in behind um, Cook and Spence, I think. But he's there in a flash, chucking himself at it. I think he gets his foot on it or something. What, whatever he did, he kept it out, which is the key thing. Um, and I think from that point, I I, um, I think I said to my wife in, in the ground, you know, he, he's he's up for something special here, the goalkeeper. Saves like that, the small margins as a fine margin, should I say, as the next manager used to say of ours, um, of the difference at this level when it gets to s- such a game of tension and, and pressure. Um, you know, you stop doing the basic things, uh, you stop doing them well, and it needs players to step up, whether it's Johnson, whether it's Samba in goal, whether it's Steve Cook blasting home a penalty. It, it's just those little things that get you over the line. And I think uh, the Sky commentator said it afterwards as well. It doesn't really matter how you play. You've just it's being in that Wembley final. That's the key. And now that we're there, we have to dust ourselves down. We have to regroup, and we have to go and win it because Wembley is not the place for <coughs> at all. So we've got to go there, put on a show with a better team. We'll be favourites, probably quite rightly. But Huddersfield are a really tasty outfit. Their set pieces are excellent. They've got some really good players. Um, but I, but I fancy us. You know, I, I really do. And like I said, Wembley is not the place to lose. Um, so let's go there and do it and get over the line again. A um, couple of big performances again. I'm, I'm ultra confident like I was yesterday. <laughs> so um, fingers crossed we'll do it. No, it's just a really special night. And the season keeps going on and on and on. And if we thought, you know, when we were bottom of the league after six, seven games, can you imagine us having this conversation that's absolutely crazy so we've done remarkably well to get to this point just got to get over the line now and that experience last night you know we'll stand them in good stead I think Cooper said you need out you need a bit of everything to to get through a playoff game you need to suffer which I thought was an interesting choice of word and we certainly suffered <laughs> what suffered last night the players suffered um, but we got over the line, and that's the key thing. So one more to go, Matt. One big game to go. Yeah, non-stop suffering. The, the, well, from the moment the, the first ball was kicked to the second half, to be fair. Um, we'll come back to the game in whole, but I want to just finish on the penalties. I mean, you've got to give a mention to all the Forest players who stepped up, Joe Lolly included. You've got to have some nerve to do it. I mean, Brennan's penalty, Cafu's penalty, Cook's penalty, they were brilliant. What did you make of it, Greg? It's unlucky for no lolly, isn't it? Someone's oh, yeah, definitely be brave to step up, haven't you? When he came on, he made such a difference. Him and Davis did. They made such a massive difference. Chef United were really starting to snowball and try and control this game. And they came on. You know, it changed it. It changed everything. So, I mean, it, the Joe Lolly miss, he just tried to whack it, didn't he? And we love players like that. Pierce's best penalties were like that. It's not always going to work. And maybe because we had such a lead, maybe he just thought he could give it a go, just smack it and be the hero. So it didn't work this time. And I'm sure, God forbid, if it, if we get penalties at Wembley, it'll be a different thing. I was really surprised that um, Garner came off. I thought it'd be our number one set piece, but it worked because Cafu scored, didn't he? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just mad. It's just really mad looking back at that. Night, no, just ridiculous. 
I think Garner's legs are gone. He took a corner after about seventy minutes, and I'm not sure he kicked. You know, he kicked it like a ten year old trying to kick it as far as he could. So <laughs> I think he was done by that point. But yeah, fair play to Cafu in off the post. Um, I love Cook's celebration. It reminded me of Pierce at Euro '96. He's a he's going to be a cult hero, isn't he? If he stays around long enough, Mikey. I think so. Really like him. I I knew uh, after the first thirty minutes of his debut, he's exactly what we needed. So. I think if we cast our mind back to the January window where we're looking at up-and-coming players and we've got a few in on loan and, and Surridge, obviously, a young lad, um, getting in experience at centre-back was crucial, especially with the formation that Steve Cooper likes to play, that back three. Having Cook in the centre, he, he just slotted in, it, in there nicely and uh, he's been a rock, fantastic with him and McKenna and Worrell. And yes, that penalty celebration was lovely. Saw it again this morning. So he, he did the big uh, fist pump to the Bridgeford end and uh, also to the A block as well. Um, that went down very, very nicely. No, but he's he's been a wonderful addition. I, I think, did we get him on a free transfer or something? I think, I don't know whether we paid a lot of money. <coughs> yeah, Whatever we paid, it was free. worth it. Mm. Yeah, true. I just flashed up a comment on the screen by mistake. I was banning the user if anyone saw it and deleting the comments. If anyone read it, so that's why. Ridiculous Too comment. quick for me. Oh, good. Okay. Well, if people watch it back, they'll read it. was a stupid comment. Uh, we are live and getting loads of comments. I'm trying to keep up with them, but maybe as it slows down, uh, I'll flash them up. But yeah, it's great we're getting so many comments. So thanks for that. Right. Uh, I think we should get into the game, probably. Greg, well done. Forza pulled, pulled another worldie out there with that. Uh, what do you want to say about it, if anything? Does he get a bit blasé talking about how great you are? <laughs> it's, not, it's not me, is it? It's, uh, yeah, there's some pretty impressive people behind like the design and stuff of it all. All Forest fans, all at the game all the time. But it was a stressful one yesterday. We had some uh, last-minute issues and, you know, I had to take a trip over to Culverton to EcoPrint who help us with all the banners and it was really touch and go at one point. Uh, but on the, I forget what day it is, on Monday night, there was about 20 of us down the ground. And we always say, if anyone ever wants to help, if we do another one, uh, they've got to contact us and we, we'll let them know. Obviously, we don't like to tell people there's a display or it ruins some of the enjoyment and surprise of it. But, yeah, it was great. The Trenton were brilliant again. And these banners, they're not light. So when they're going over some of these people, it can be a bit of a pain. And no one ever moans. They always seem happy with them. And... Luckily, we won again, didn't it? So it'll be remembered for all the right reasons. True, true. And Forrest got off to a great start. Well, after Sambra made that brilliant save, they take the lead through uh, Brennan Johnson. I didn't think it was Surridge's night, but it was a great cross in, Mikey, wasn't it? And Brennan's really got a knack of that that sliding finish that Forrest play for, that low cross so well, don't they? Yeah, the ball in the channels killed Sheffield United in both games. So if you think about the, the amount of chances that we created in that first game, uh, a lot came through Zinkenagel's movement to take some of their defenders away and then a ball in the channel. And Surridge's movement is excellent. And we saw it last night. So ball to McKenna down the line. Surridge pulls off, pulls it across. Brennan makes that last uh, late run in and, and tucks it away. Um, I guess that's why he was starting against them. So Cooper obviously saw a bit of a weakness. Sheffield United aren't the quickest at the back. So Surridge's movement, and obviously with Davis coming back from injury, he might not have been ready to start the game. 
but uh, it certainly worked to our advantage. Um, I didn't think it was necessarily his night. Yeah, I think I think you're right there, Matt. But like I said, his movement causes teams problems, um, and the way we transition quickly from defence to attack, Surridge is perfect for us dragging those uh, defenders out. I think they played five at the back because I, I kept looking at their shape and, and they seemed to sort of flick it occasionally as they were chasing the game. But certainly when Surridge was on in the first half, he, he, he did cause them all sorts of problems. But can I just shout out Keenan Davis as well? There was a point, I think it was an extra time, where he picked it up, I think in his own penalty box or something, and he ran in. He must have beat four or five players, just shrugging them off, brushing them off. Um, and I think he won a free kick. That is just, that's unbelievable. And the amount of pressure that we were under at points of that game, to have players who can do that, so Surridge who can, who can run the line, make those channel runs, and his delivery is good and his finishing is great. <coughs> Heenan to come on to hold the ball up, to bully defenders that are already knackered. And both teams were knackered. Um, it, it's brilliant that we have those sort of options. And I think on a big Wembley pitch, I don't know whether you agree, guys, but that could be the difference between us getting through and and, uh, and not, I think. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, Greg. I don't. If Keenan Davis doesn't come on the pitch, then I don't think Forrest win the game, do they? He was just unbelievable when he came. Agree. He, his strength, his confidence to keep the ball in like dangerous attacking areas, Sheffield United. It was just brilliant. He walked it up the pitch. There's three or four of them like just attacking his legs, and he's got that ball. 40, 50 yards down the pitch without having to hoof it. As soon as we got him, every game he's played, he's done a brilliant job. And he's got 11 days now, 11 days to get fully fit. And I think he'll start. But if he doesn't, what an impact he has when he comes on. Like Mikey said, to defenders that are already shattered, you know, let's hope it's a nice hot day at Wembley and we can really tire them out. But I just want a few days of not feeling nervous, to be honest. <laughs> So I've like three or four days off of, without thinking about it. But that guy gives me so much confidence, either when he comes on or if you see him on that starting lineup. He has just been superb for us. Yeah, I'd start him. I, 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 he's useful either way. We saw last night we can do. But I think maybe Surridge coming off the bench can just exploit tired minds with that clever bit of movement. Because, you know, I mean, I think Davis would have come on earlier if he was fitter. Probably for well under the cost. Well, what do you think, Mikey, about starting? Who starts at Wembley? Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you both just said. Um, I would start him at Wembley. I'd have started him last night as well, to be perfectly honest with you, and given him sort of 60 minutes. But as it transpired, he had extra time anyway. So so he has got a bit of minutes in his legs. And Greg is, Greg is absolutely spot on. You know, we've got a week and a half now for teams uh, for our team to, to recover mentally and physically and get ready for that final. So I, I think Keenan Davis on that big Wembley pitch will be a huge asset. Now, Huddersfield defend really, really well. You know, for anybody that's watched them, they're very organised, they're very structured. They play a little bit like we did under Lamucci. So they're not really bothered about having the ball. Uh, they'll sit back. They've got a really good shape. They're very good at set pieces and they're very clinical when they get an opportunity. So I expect us to have quite a lot of the ball. So I'm with you, Matt. I think if you start Davis... You have 60% possession. You bully them with about half an hour to go. Sam Surridge and his movement, especially if they have to come out a little bit, would be absolutely perfect. So that's the way I'd go. But then again, there's a, there's a there's an argument to say, Surridge, what's he done wrong? You know, he's, he's been brilliant since he's got on the team. He set up a goal last night. 
Um, that's why I'm not a manager. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have that conversation. But um, great options to have, isn't it? You know, I remember mm. a time I didn't have any options, but now, now you know, we're talking about uh, the pros and cons of, of who to start, and, and you know, there's right and wrongs on both sides. But I think Keenan Davis on that big Wembley pitch will be could be the difference, definitely. Was he the fifth penalty taker? Do you think? I don't know who it was. Would you guess it was him? I, I, yeah. Do you know what? I had the same conversation on the way home. Um, we, I think my wife said it might have been Colback. Um, I thought. Yeah, um, Colback or Davis, one of the two. It'd be interesting if we can find that out, actually. They probably won't release it. Would you Hopefully not find it. Would you have backed that fifth player to score? The pressure must have been unbearable. Greg, would, uh, you have, would you have had him scoring? Yeah, yeah, I would. We, weirdly, we were having the conversation in in the pub, and I didn't think I didn't even think of Davis, of course. But I said the callback or Spence. Uh, but I don't want to know who the fifth penalty taker is because we might have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could have coped if it had gone to that fifth penalty, and God forbid they'd missed. I'm like, oh my god! But they didn't. So yeah, it, it all worked out well in the end. Um, I want to scoot back. I mean, I don't remember much else about the first half apart from the hecking bottom incident with Jed. I didn't know what had happened, but I watched it back. I don't think he's won many friends over the two legs, unless you're from unless you're a Sheffield United fan, has he, Mikey? No, hecking I don't think so. Legs. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's petulant. I don't know what he was doing, to be honest with you. I, I saw it this morning. I, I was on the other side of the ground, so I just saw a load of players sort of run, and I thought. I thought something's happened. I didn't necessarily see at the time, but looking back, there's just no no need for that. And I didn't particularly appreciate his comments after the first game, to be honest with you. I think they were more aimed at his own players, as in, don't give up. You know, saying, you know, the fans are going to be nervous and Forrest will sit back and it's absolute rubbish. You know, has he ever watched us? <laughs> when do we ever do that? You know, we're very clinical on the transition, but I don't think we deliberately have a low block all the time at home. It just doesn't happen. So, um, it's mind games, of course, and I suppose you have to expect that at this stage of the season. But uh, no, I wasn't too impressed with that. And I also watched his um, interview after last night as well. I thought that was interesting. I, it, it, he came across as a little bit more humble and he obviously pr- praised his players because they were excellent second half. But there were a few comments thrown in there which just just left a bit of taste in my mouth, to be honest with you. There's just, there's just no need for that. And I know you know, there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser and people are hurting after that. You know, we've been through it enough. But I'd like to think we'd act with a little bit more class um, as, you know, as a, as a fan base and as a, as a team, as a city. I just, you know, he's, he's representing Sheffield. I, I didn't care for it too much. Do you agree, Greg, or am I being a bit harsh? Like the crowd was singing. Well, you're not that swear, <laughs> are you? But yeah, yeah. the Neil Warnock yeah. reference, it was yeah. just like that horrible... You know, Neil Warnock style manager, someone who's going to manage Cardiff or Millwall, and he will, he'll go down that route. And I didn't appreciate him at all how he wasn't sent off. That bloke set all the issues that, that came up after, and it, it was just idiotic. He lost his head, probably lost his team in the playoffs because they weren't, they were in a good position, you know, at the time they were looking all right and looking dangerous. And he just disrupted the game for them, just an absolute. Well, idiot. Yeah, he'll be remembered now and hopefully we won't have to play him for a few years. But I think he let himself down and he let his team down last night. I think they kind of created this kind of desperate false narrative after the first game to try and 
rile the Sheffield United players up more than anything. Like Mikey said, this kind of Forrester overconfident, Forrest think they're through thing, which is nonsense. I mean, any Forest fan who's ever seen Forest in the playoffs wouldn't believe they were through perhaps even now some of them. So, yeah, I thought it was all a bit a bit false and a bit a bit silly. I wanted to ask about the referee and what you thought of him. I mean, Greg says you should have sent him off. Maybe you should. I thought the ref had a really good game. He let it go. I saw a lot of Forest fans, or a few Forest fans, were negative about him. <coughs> Oliver. The only thing that wound me up about it was Brennan Johnson got some real treatment from Norrington Davis and he should have booked him sooner. But what did you make of it, Greg, the ref's performance? Uh, not as good as your scoring for him. That's fine. <laughs> Letting it go is all right, as long as he's letting it go because nothing's happened. The amount of fouls on Johnson that seemed... To, I'm sure the referees have got this big group where they say, oh, watch Brennan Johnson, he dives. And he, he doesn't dive at the minute. He's not like the biggest guy, is he? If he gets hit, he's going to go over. And why they don't just keep... Why He needs to be given these fouls. So, yeah, they, they frustrated me, especially in the first half. But it's high tension, isn't it? And... Yeah, how Heckingbottom should have been sent off. I think that was the biggest mistake, but at least it didn't cost us. I'd give him a two out of five if I was assessing it. I thought it made for good drama, though. Mikey, you can agree with Greg and tell me I'm an idiot, but for a spectacle, <laughs> letting not that Greg call me I'm an idiot, I might let you break that, but you know, the spectacle of creating a good game and not blur. Like you watch Champions League football, there's a foul every 30 seconds because Pepe's broken a fingernail for Real Madrid whenever he was playing. I'd much rather have a game that was a bit more 1970s style, Mike. I don't know about you. Yeah, I totally agree. So, um, I thought he did all right. The ref, he, 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 I'm with you, Matt. I think I'd rather a ref let it go uh, than blow up every two minutes and make it a, a fragmented stop-start game. Um, I will say, though, and somebody's put in the comments, I think, quite rightly, how Jack Robinson stayed on that pitch is beyond me because I, I clearly remember four or five uh, yellow cards, and I think he dived as well to try and get a penalty near the end. So, you know, rules say that handball. Time. I thought it was that was it handball. He tried to punch it in the net or something. Was that Robinson? Uh, it might know. have been. I remember at the end when he tried to chuck himself to the floor, I, I just thought, you know, he was being overly sort of soft with certain players. But yeah, I, I agree with the Brennan Johnson thing as well. He's, he runs at such pace and he's so dynamic. You know, I, not once have I thought he has deliberately chucked himself to the floor. He might have gone down with a bit of contact, but, you know, at, at the top level, you usually get this, you know, those sort of things. And I, I guess my worry is, and I don't know whether we're going to talk about this, we've got VAR for the final. Um, that scares a lot of me, to, to be perfectly honest with you. So I don't know what to think about that. I need to be convinced either way. Um, but I thought the ref in general had a half decent game yesterday but I guess my worry is that when you've got VAR they from what I see refs refrain from giving some decisions and just leave it to that third official a fourth official sorry in the back and I don't like that at all just just referee the game and you know any clear and obvious errors we can overturn but I don't want to go to Wembley and, and see that VAR up on the screen seven or eight times and every goal's you know disputed and we wait around for two three minutes and I'm probably like talking about something that's not going to happen, but that that worries me, and I think it's uh, uh, it could go in our favour, it could not go in our favour. I don't know, but that that just does worry me a little bit. But the ref did the ref did all right. I've seen worse. Yeah, it's pros and cons on there. I mean, VAR would give you would you would hope 
give Brennan Johnson a few more penalties, but then yeah. maybe Sheffield United get a penalty for that Garner a Berger incident in the first half at Bramall Lane when it's nil nil. I don't know. It's, we just have to wait and see, I guess, don't we? Um, second half, I've written here what they all happened. It did transcend. It did kind of descend into Houston style football for a while. Was that just nerves and pressure, Greg? Or do we have to make allowances for just the the scenario, the pressure that's on the players on that occasion? Yeah, they they just couldn't have scored at a more perfect time for them, could they? Straight out the gates and that just, you knew then that pressure, 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 the adrenaline it gives their players and, you know, they've got an extra bit of, of juice then in them and it was hard, wasn't it? It was so hard and weirdly just like a relief to get to extra time thinking they were going to score another. Um, they just, they had that momentum, didn't they? And they had something that, none of us saw in the first leg. So it was a completely different game and one that could, it really could have gone the other way. But like I say, scored at the perfect time for them and luckily for us, just didn't keep it going as long as they needed it to. I guess, Mikey, it's much easier in a sense to chase, isn't it? When you're Sheffield United and you know you've got to come out. it's you, You've got to play. Forrest were caught in a bit of a stick or twist situation, weren't they, trying to sit on a lead? They had nothing to lose. You know, you're both right. I think um, they always say 2-0 is the most uh, dangerous scoreline in football, which I hate that phrase, but they're probably right. We saw it last night. So two-goal lead, one half to go. What did they have to lose? You know, they pushed up the pitch 10, 15 yards. They started winning all the second balls. As Greg said, you know, quite rightly, they scored at a, a, a perfect time, gave them and their fans momentum. Um, and, you know, you're not human if you don't, sort of feel that pressure so the crowd felt it you know I, I certainly did um the forest players you know were in control of that tie for three halves of football and then in the fourth half of, half of football we were holding on for dear life but that's 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 why we love the game that's why you can't you can never discount anything until the ref blows that final whistle so it was a really tough half of football we ground it out we stayed in it we showed a lot of uh heart and character and we weren't at our best and i can't remember three or four passes we struggled together for about half an hour we were really struggling um you know on the edge of our own box um but as steve cooper said you have to suffer <laughs> and we did so and we got through it and we got to extra time and we won on penalties so you know in in time you're just going to look at the result you're not going to remember that and there's going to be times in the final unless we go there and absolutely turn up and, and be devastating there's going to be times when we're on the back foot and it's heartening to know that this team has that character to hold on we could have easily conceded a third or a fourth and then lost it and then you know we could have been having a very different conversation but they dug deep and that gives me a lot of belief that when the backs are against the wall, they'll come out fighting. You know, Steve Cook, Joe Worrell, leaders in that team, Ryan Yates. This is where you need those type of players to dig in. Um, and they did just that. And I was, I was proud of him last night, that second off especially. So it was tough. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's two ways to look at it, Greg, isn't there? Does it bode well that they played badly and they've had that experience and they've come through it? Or does it strike a note of caution that they've, not folded under the pressure, but they've had a spell where they've just not played at all well. 
they did something that previous generations teams haven't done and they held it together just enough. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't play well after playing so, so well in the first leg where 2-1 was just like not, didn't reflect how good we were. Um, we held on and we got through it when we were shattered and we were playing poorly and things weren't going our way. But um, we got there and that gives us so much confidence, so much confidence for Wembley. And like I say, 11 days makes such a difference now. If it was on Sunday, I'd be worried. But these players, they're fit anyway. We're one of the fittest teams in the Championship. And with that many days to get, to get well now and prepared, I'm, I'm really confident. When Mikey just spoke about hot, I had to check my uh, smartwatch this morning. I think 10pm, it was like 135 beats per minute or something. Ridiculous. So let's just hope Wembley's not that excruciating. Yeah, I did my blood pressure no good for someone who's already on medication. That was that was not fun. Um, did you guys spot there's a couple of bits of man management that I really that I spotted that I thought were really good? Cooper at half time kept the players on the pitch and didn't let them go down the tunnel at the same time as the Sheffield United players. It could have backfired because they were awful second half. But I thought that was really clever. And um Graben in particular, but a bit of Taylor as well, talking to players. At full time, I thought Graben was brilliant. I don't know if you spotted this. He was in Keenan Davis's ear uh, before he came on, before extra time. And I think things like that. Do you think they make that little one percent difference, Mikey, between defeat and victory? I do, and I didn't spot either of them. To be honest with you, I think I was getting a drink at half time. Um, but it doesn't surprise me about Graben being the leader that he is. Um, you know, he, he can't have that influence on the pitch, but he can certainly have it off the pitch. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and that's why he's, he's club captain, because he's obviously very respected and people listen to him. So it is those little fine details. So Cooper and his staff know these players inside out. They've been working with them for almost a season now. So um, you have to trust, I think he says trust the process. It's a bit corny, but I know what he means. You have to trust his thought process and his thinking. And if, if he thinks that something like that or encouraging his senior players that are out injured to take a bit more responsibility in terms of communication, you have to trust that that's the right thing to do. And, you know, results and performances and the feel-good factor around the city all bouncing off each other, it backs it up. So I I wasn't aware of that, Matt, actually, but that sounds brilliant to me. And it's it's those little things that might make all the difference. So, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, because you get some managers who don't want injured players around and they, they say actually actively stay away. But I think it's really good of Cooper to have them in there. Um, Greg, have you seen Samba's water bottle talking small details? <laughs> yeah. I mean, credit Probably. to uh, credit to Samba and the Danny Orcock, the goalkeeping coach, who I know a little bit from previous career when he was playing. He was a really good non-league keeper, but nice touch, isn't it? That preparation and it paid off. Weirdly, we saw his water bottle with like, a full-on towel wrapped around it about that big. Mm. And I thought at the time it was a bit strange. And I'm sure Huddersfield now will all be in the heads going, oh, we're going to do it the way that we don't usually do it. So how we got that much preparation for players that take, well, some of them will, won't take a penalty for years, will they? So mm. brilliant that they got it to that. And it just shows the finer details. Is that's, that's what won it us, maybe. When he stood still for the second one and just held hand. out his, like, well, yeah, and it said stand up on the bottle, didn't yeah. it? It's, it's like his titanium arm just there. Just 
unbelievable. I, I don't think I could bring myself to like watch the game again sober, but those penalties will just be on repeat now for the next few days. Oh, yeah, I've got to watch penalties again. I can't watch the whole game again, apart from Brennan's goal, but the penalties. Um, let's talk about the end then. The pitch invasion, I'm not against it. Um, I, a lot of fans would mock people for going on the pitch. I think the emotion <coughs> of the occasion lets people go on, but we have to reference what happened with Billy Sharp being careful what we say legally, you know, someone's been arrested. It's not a good thing, is it, Mikey? It damages the reputation of the football club through the actions of one stupid individual. Yeah, I know I go on too much about it because it doesn't deserve the the attention that he's obviously trying to get, but one idiot spoiling it for everybody. Um, there's always, you know, you see pitch invasions around the world and you get flares and everything like that. And I know that it's not supposed to happen, but the raw emotion that was at that ground last night, I, I was all, always expecting a pitch invasion if if we got through, which we did. Um, and there's always one idiot that spoils it. So let's hope, you know, appropriate action is taken and, you know, that shouldn't represent us as a club or as a fan base or just the footballing community. You know, I think, you know, 99.9% .9 of football fans are genuinely cool people, regardless of who they support. It always just takes one idiot to do something like that. So um, just make sure that he gets what's coming to him, basically, and and let's not let it taint or sour what was just an incredible moment, really. Have you seen Billy Sharp's statement, Greg? Yeah, I mean, he's just a lovely bloke, isn't he? When he played for us, obviously at the time he had his charity for his son and I remember buying one of his T-shirts for his charity and everything he's always said about us, even though he was only here for like a, a short season, wasn't he? He's always spoke with such like fondness to us. He doesn't like Derby and I love that about him. And I feel like for, for a Sheffield United legend to have uh, such an affinity with our fans, we, you've got to love and respect him. And even that statement when he could have really gone bitter and horrible about it, because it was dangerous, wasn't it? It was, well, I'd say, but... He had so much class in his statement and I just thought, what what a lovely bloke. And I'd, I've seen a few fans thinking that they're going to try and do something now, whether they get some money together for a charity of his choice or, or something. I think that's a really nice idea and it should show that it was one absolute moron who's going to pay for it. I mean, this guy's probably lost his, well, God knows now what's going to happen to him. You can only see what happened to the Leicester lad who did it. But like to Billy Sharp, you can only apologise and hope he's okay, but just know that it was one idiot and not the thirty thousand that was celebrating with everything that they, you know, twenty odd years of hurt. Um, I just the other thing is, I just think he, he not that it matters who it was, but he must have thought it was their manager or something because that. Well, I don't know. I think I've said too much already, haven't I? But. Let's just hope he pays for it and Billy Sharp's okay. And, you know, like I say, he still found the time after what happened to him to have some nice words about a club and you've got to respect him for that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to dwell on it because it's not the story of the night. We have to recognise it. It did put a dampener on things. It's disappointing to see. I bet, you know, Sky Sports News are putting on it ahead of the goals probably. But mm. that's the, the way it one, is. One thing I will say as well, like separately to that, regarding the pitch invasion I know the club were concerned about it after the the night before with Huddersfield and I'm I'm sure the EFL had, had contacted them to ask them to do more because 
Huddersfield didn't do anything. I don't even think they had any stewards. So you could see the, the treble amount of stewards and police in the area. But if we'd have won 4 0 and we'd won at full time, I don't think there would have been that pitch invasion, would they? But the way it happened and the sheer emotion, it just clearly spilled over. And it, it did look incredible. It shouldn't happen. And the reasons it probably shouldn't have happened is because of what happened to Billy. But I think if there ever is going to be one for a game where you don't actually get promoted yet, I feel like that was almost an exception. <laughs> Talking about promotion then, have you have you both been to Wembley or not? Yeah, with England. Yeah, you see, I've always refused to go because I only ever want to go and watch Forest at Wembley, unless it was the Euros final or something like that, but I'm not paying a... 1500 quid for a ticket like my electrician did couldn't believe he paid that but yeah Wembley how are you feeling about it Greg? Excited I think it's going to be emotional it'll be special uh, trains prices are going ridiculous already hotels are booking up praying that Huddersfield don't sell all their tickets so we get a few more because you know we've all got friends and family who are desperate to go that haven't necessarily got the points or what have you but I just think it will be an incredible occasion and I genuinely think that we, we will do it as well. Last, last night was the one for me when that last-minute equaliser went in against Hull and my friend turned around to me and says, that, that equaliser is the goal that's going to get us promoted. And uh, I can't stop thinking about that now, especially now we've got rid of Sheffield United because out of all three of those teams, Sheffield United at Wembley was the one I didn't want. Um, yeah, just can't wait. I mean, I would really love to rub it into Sheffield United by signing Sander Berger in the summer. I thought he was really good. I'd take Gibbs White as well. I know he missed the penalty, but they've got some decent players. We have to give, we have to give them due credit, don't we, Mikey? They have some. They had some high-quality performers over the tie. They, they, they do, yeah. That Gibbs White is a serious footballer. I think he's on loan from Wolves, isn't he? Um, I'm not sure yeah. how he, he can't get around their, their uh, sort of squad, but um, if there's any chance we can perhaps nick in if we if we went up that'd be fantastic and Bert and Sander Burge went for what 20 million or something so he's obviously highly played and, and highly valued and, and you saw that last night he's a very good player um but going back to Wembley uh, yeah I've, I've been before but with England and NFL and I remember saying to um a friend of mine uh wouldn't it be amazing if Forrest were here just you know in, in a playoff final or, or a cup semi-final or something like that and looking out onto Wembley way uh, through those big, massive glass, if anybody who's there can see, uh, those massive glass when you can see it across all the Wembley Way and people walking up. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, if Forrest ever got here, it'd be incredible. I never really thought we would. So the fact that, you know, a week on Sunday, my team, our team, you know, representing our city is going to take over, you know, that part of London because there'll be more Forest fans there than Huddersfield, I guarantee it. Um, it's just incredible. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really positive. I agree with Greg. Sheffield United, you know, we somehow got through that. And if we can get through that, we can beat Huddersfield in a one-off game. Of course we can. We just need to, we just need to turn up. I think we've got better players, uh, quicker, faster, more experience. Of course, it's who turns up on the day. But the fact that we're in, in the mix, in the conversation, uh, is incredible. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm really proud of them. We just have that one more step to go and you know everybody just needs to be positive get behind the lads and can i say one more thing as well you know when it went 2-1 yesterday that is one of the loudest 
crowds I heard for about 10 minutes at the city ground and we were struggling and everybody recognized it and that's what I reckon that's that's part of what got them through because you know Steve Cook saying his legs have gone Garner was knackered they were just they were running on fumes and and the crowd was just screaming at them come on we can do this and the uh, the passion there and we're going to need that again I think Wembley big pitch there's going to be some tired legs it might come down to those fine margins um Salam Warburton now, don't I? Um, but uh, the crowd can play a massive part in that, and I just I can't wait, Matt. Can't wait. Is that your computer beeping, Mikey? I, I think it might be mine. Yes. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're muted now. That's right. someone who should be at work. <laughs> someone who should be at work. Well, yeah, we all should. Well, you shouldn't, Greg. You're probably you're no. I'm fine. Um, well, we are finishing now anyway. Last question to each of us: Where did last night rank in terms of? games watching Forest, Greg? The best. Yeah, it's the best for me. I remember when we got promoted and I was like young. What was it, 98? Mm. And uh, But it's different when you're a kid. You don't fully appreciate the, the heartache and the year after year of disappointment. And when that goal went in and when we won it on penalties, and I've never seen emotion like that in our ground, never. And without doubt, it was the, the best city ground night I've ever seen for me. Yeah, me too. I like Greg says. I remember the Yeovil game was fun, but it was to get out of League One. Yeah, and it's just the torture of the playoffs, isn't it? We've all been. Um, well, I went to all the home games. I didn't go to any of the away games, but all those those games where we lost, just absolutely horrific. So yeah, last night was top for me as well. Mikey, what about you? Yeah, I probably have to agree. I think I remember the Yeovil game, and it was a little bit unexpected to be honest with you i didn't i didn't expect to there's my computer again. you have to mute you in it no i'm sorry <laughs> um, i didn't expect to go up that day so it was it was almost like a pleasant surprise um but yesterday we're confident the atmosphere was incredible i think other than maybe a couple of derby games back in back in the day you know when paul arts team or whatever which you know the atmosphere in on an evening at the city ground against them lot is always crazy um it's definitely up there um i'm still on an emotional high so it's easy probably for me to say it was the best um when i come down a little bit and reflect on it i'll probably still say that it was it was amazing the crowd the crowd were insane like some some of the you know there was chanting in every stand uh you know people stood up on their feet screaming it was it was it was incredible and it got us over the line and um yeah it, we showed what we were about yesterday as a fan base i, I thought it was brilliant yeah, it certainly was. A good note to end on. I don't know if we've done last night justice because I don't know if we can, but we tried our best. So uh, hopefully everyone who's watched along or listened to this enjoyed us. And as ever, if you did, do uh, like and subscribe on YouTube, uh, Apple, Sound, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever podcast platforms there are, it all helps us anyway. Greg, thank you very much. Well, speak to you after Wembley, maybe. Uh, yeah, definitely. Maybe before. I don't know what my plans are. Well, we're back on Monday, I should say. We'll do more of this with David Prutton and uh, another former Forest player who's lined up after Marlon Harewood joined us on Monday. I have to say sorry to Mikey. I booted Mikey off to get Marlon on, so uh, that was poor form. But Mikey, thank you very much for today. It's all right, mate. I forgive you. Thank you for uh, asking me to come on and hope everybody's enjoyed it who's, who's sort of listened and watched along. It was, a, it was a great night and let's hope we have one more in a week, week and a bit's time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do join us on Monday. Uh, thanks very much again, and we shall see you soon.